morning, everyone. It is Thursday, the 28th of July. Morning, Marcus. You got overnight? Big night. What happened? It was a big night, Ben. Yes, Dow up 436, which is not that big a night. The SPY futures this morning up 52, but the big bit was the NASDAQ up 4.06%, the biggest one-day rise since April 2020. And that came, of course, on the back of the FOMC meeting. Now you can read about their commitment to get on top of inflation, even if it means a period of sustained economic weakness. But the reality is the bond market took it the other way. And the chances of a 75 basis point rate rise at the next Fed meeting dropped and the chance of 100 basis point rate rise went to zero. So the bond market has dropped. You've seen the US 10-year bond yield now down from 3.498% to 2.732%, which is the lowest since April, May. And interestingly, the Aussie 10-year bond yield, whilst the RBA will be putting rates up by 50 basis points next Tuesday, the Australian 10-year bond yield is down over 1% in seven weeks. And if you look at the charts in the strategy piece today, you'll see that there is a ever clearer peaking in interest rates in the US and in Australia. And we are thinking that this Fed meeting may just be the peak of interest rate fear, peak of inflation fear, peak of recession fear. And certainly the technology sectors are responding to that. Meanwhile, there were some results in the technology sector in the US, which helped out, although Meta had results after hours and fell 3%, and Ford are up 6% after hours. Rio had results late in our market yesterday. And in London overnight, they were down 0.7%. In the US, they were up half a percent. And you probably saw their numbers were smack in line with most people's expectations, but that payout ratio was cut from 75% to 50%. And so that dividend is well below what most brokers were expecting and will be a bit of a disappointment to income investors and does highlight that resources stocks are not regular dividend payers. They are payers in boom times, not all the time still a good dividend, especially as the Aussie dollar is so weak against the US dollar. It'll look nice in Australian dollars, but that will disappoint some income investors. Other things, the CPI number yesterday came in less than expected. The Aussie dollar dropped, uh, the ASX popped 20 points, and that was about it. And as I say, chances of a RBA 50 basis point rate rise are almost 100% now, up from 80% to 92%. Otherwise, we've got Retail sales figures today in Australia. Sorry, I'm stealing your thunder, Tom. US GDP tonight, European GDP as well this week. Uh, and that's about it. Plenty going on in our market for Tom to talk about that. Certainly is a bit going on. Thank you, Marcus. Tom, what else have you got for us? Thank you, Ben. Our market digesting that less hawkish Fed decision positively up 41 points or 0.8%. Tech stocks winning the day and uh, the sector up 3%. Lithium and buy now, pay later names standing out as well. Just to say, in the Rio results, they had a very optimistic, was their adjective, uh, outlook on the lithium uh, price or the lithium market. So lithium stocks helped by that. Yes, and also healthcare names uh, sliding a bit. CSL off 0.4%. The big four banks all in positive territory. Rio, obviously, as Marcus talked out had results last night they're a little changed macquarie group up 2.4 percent they noted favorable trading conditions in the first quarter of fy23 although said conditions softened during the quarter fortescue metals up two percent they beat full year shipments guidance and set a fresh record for the company kogan up 
30% on its preliminary full year numbers, Airtasker ART up 12% on its Q4 update. And as Marcus said, retail trade, import and export prices are due locally and the US has GDP data out tonight, Ben. And on the back of those Kogan results, Redbubble up 17%, Temple and Webster up 22%. It seems all the consumer pandemic boom stocks are coming back. Stuff. Thank you, Tom. Layden, what are the brokers making of what's going on? Thank you, Ben. So obviously, Rio is the headliner this morning. I won't go into it into too much detail because Marcus has already touched on it. But the main point was that brokers were surprised by the dividend payout ratio being cut 50%, even given that there was some pretty decent numbers out. of Cash flow was up 9%. Cash flow up 9%, yeah. yeah. And the market had expected a 75% payout ratio, yeah. so well below expectations. Yeah. It kind of shows the future-proofing for next year's pad and the one after and they're not putting out a number they're not going to be able to get anywhere near yeah yeah well there was a comment from the board that said that it prefers to remain conservative given the current market conditions and it will assess whether to pay out a special dividend based on their full year results city though was impressed by the strong balance sheet and notes foreign exchange movements are favorable and from the three updates that were out this morning recommendations were add buy and outperform with an average target price of 116 dollars, which implies about a 20 percent upside so pretty good response there and also looking at igo limited igo is the ticker they reported june quarter results with production and costs marginally better than fy22 guidance and just in line with credit swiss's expectations and the broker has adjusted fy22 earnings estimates based on lower expectations of lithium prices. They have retained their outperform recommendation, but the target price is lowered slightly down to $11.60, which still implies a 16% upside. But on the other hand, Morgan Stanley highlighted that FY23 production guidance was a 10% miss versus expectations. And they've got an underweight recommendation with a target price of $10.20, which is pretty much smack bang on the current market price. Thank you, Ben. Good stuff. Thank you, Leighton. Henry, what are you writing about today? Well, so much going on in the market at the moment. I could hardly contain myself uh, this morning when I woke up at five o'clock and I had just a myriad of opportunities. Yesterday, I actually wrote up uh, some of the opportunities I was going to talk about this morning. Uh, DDR, Nitro, Tyro and Tech and Coden were on the list. Um, Nitro uh, not doing quite so well today, but Tyro is up 25%. So um, that one's, I think that ship sailed. Tech is doing well. Added those to the portfolio on the open this morning um, with a big weight. They're up 16%. Basically, the second line tech st stocks are going absolutely nuts at the moment. Uh, massively oversold in that June tax loss sell off. They are going mental. Uh, Satire's up 17%. Airtasker, 17%. That one is one to watch. Uh, I think that one's got plenty more in it. Zip, which we wrote up at 50, well, under 50 cents. as one to, to buy is up another 17%. That's now a three-bagger in two weeks. Uh, so that's going pretty well. Uh, we're also seeing some big rises just across the board. The market is going, is, is, is pretty much uh, full-on bull phase, especially in these second lines. And we are seeing volumes coming back as well, which is good to see. Uh, in uh, my stuff today, writing about... Um, Dicker Data, uh, Tech, Coden, uh, also Prospect Resources, which has been a really good one for us. Uh, they are up another 15.6% today. They had a capital return of 96 cents uh, recently. So there is a big loss showing in the small cap portfolio because of the way Morningstar is just useless. 
um, shows a big loss there, but they had a capital return of 96 cents. They now have $34 million in cash, which is about seven and a half cents worth of cash, plus a couple of really prospective projects. The reason they have the big capital return is they sold a big lithium project to the Chinese, took the cash, gave it back to shareholders. They will do the same again. Uh, Foster's has stockbrokers has a price target of 13 cents on the rump of what's left for prospect. I originally thought that 10 cents was my out price, uh, bearing in mind I bought it at 87 cents and they had a 96 cents uh, capital return coming. So uh, I was minus nine to start with. So that was pretty good to start with. Uh, 10 cents would have given us uh, a pretty nice big fat profit. But you know what, I'm going to be greedy here. Uh, also good to see lithium stocks bouncing because I have been pushing the hell out of lithium stocks and they have continued to bounce and continue to push forward. And interesting, yesterday we had um, the investment committee meeting, which uh, will come out next week, which apparently, according to Ausbiz, is one of the most requested and most popular programs. I'm not sure why, but um, it is one of the most popular uh, programs and requested. Uh, it was a bit feisty again, as um, I took umbrage with Mark Morland, uh, Ben Clark and Mathan on um, our positioning in the portfolio. I couldn't quite work out why all three of them thought we were heading for a recession, yet we had 32% in consumer discretionary stocks and zero in energy stocks, which seemed a bit cockeyed to me. So if you're interested in that, that's next Tuesday. And of course, we did have the call yesterday and a link there and my webinar tomorrow on a brave new world, which is just one of the signs that the market bottomed in June. Uh, along with so many other signs that we've been pointing out. Um, it's, uh, I'm going to do that tomorrow about the brave new world, about how to trade the market during a, a bear market or a recession. And interestingly, Ausbiz had a day yesterday where they spent the day uh, recording a how to trade the bear market, just as the market is now uh, going full steam ahead in places. So uh, a bit ironic, really. But there you go. That's it. I don't think that's ironic, Henry. That's normal, isn't it? The market always does the opposite of what you expect, especially yeah. with the institutions that take a while to come around to. And well, I, I, I think at the end of the day, the, um, the, the biggest sign was when I did the uh, Platinum Asset Management podcast with Julian McCormack, uh, who was very bearish. That pretty much coincided with the bottom of the market. Great stuff, as always. Thank you, Henry. Very good points there. Just a couple of ideas now in our ideas section. Chris? Thank you, Ben. I'm taking a look at Eclipse Group this morning. There's some funky spelling there. It's got an X in it. So look up the stock code. It is ECX. These guys do uh, fleet leasing, fleet management, vehicle finance. And what they've benefited from is the fact that the secondhand car market has been very robust and people have been paying a lot more for secondhand cars than they normally would. That will abate, of course, but they have been making hay whilst the sun shines. So their operating income for the first half was up 9%. Expenses were actually down 2% which is a bit of a surprise. Uh, net profit, 60.4 million up 58, 58%, sorry. Uh, and that's an exceptional, and it was a record outcome as well, uh, driven by those used car prices, like I said. They are also doing quite well in terms of new business and organic growth. The chart looks good. Uh, the chart has looked good for a couple of years now. Uh, the brokers like it. Target price is anywhere from 10 to 20% above the current market price. I am a buyer with targets towards $3. Very nice. Thank you, Chris. Tom, you've got an idea you're into as well. I do, Ben, and I'm zeroing in on zero. And I guess the game at the moment and what we've been talking about this morning is picking quality stocks that have underperformed and started to turn around. And 
This is a bet on the monetary policy tide easing. The technical picture for zero is improving. It's up uh, more than 20% since its June low. The average broker target implies upside of more than 10%. It doesn't have results in August. It's got an AGM and that carries a little bit less risk given its full year results in May, which uh, Morgan Stanley said came in better than expected. It's got pricing power in its geographies in Australia and the UK. It reports in New Zealand dollars, which mean when earnings are converted back from the US, UK and Australia, they receive a bit of a currency tailwind. Uh, it is important to note that it's not a value play. It's more of a sentiment trade because you are paying a lot for earnings. It's on a P of 200 times. So it's not cheap on that metric. But the bet is that sentiment towards technology stocks has bottomed. And this is the biggest quality Australian tech stock out there, Ben. And worth mentioning that even though it's up 20%, it's still down 40% from the top. So yes, it's yeah. one of those small numbers things. Uh, big big bumps uh, are actually fairly small. So the headline, Tom Wagner's called zero, what was it? Highest quality. Highest quality tech stock. Uh, zero, by the way, for those. Beautiful. Is X E <laughs> is XERO or XRO is the code, not yeah. Z. Yeah. Very good. Uh, we've got a couple of portfolio changes in as well in the forever and dividend portfolios in light of Powell's comments overnight and what everyone has been talking about, taking a little bit of that cash we've built up on the sidelines and putting a bit of risk to work in the portfolios in the forever portfolio, going for a few of the names that a lot of these were held before uh, and were chopped when we wanted to de-risk and we're now happy to have them back in or take up positions and stuff we've been looking at for a while. So we've added Wise Tech, which is WTC, ProMedicus PME, one of Chris's favorites, Technology One TNE and Altium ALU, and then chopped up CSL and Aristocrat Leisure ALL. And then in the dividend portfolio, we have topped up the three major banks outside of CBA to take them overweight. Uh, and also our holdings in JB Hi-Fi, JBH, and Smart Group SIQ, just to put the toe back in the water, get a bit of that cash to work, make sure we're collecting the dividends coming up over the next few months, even though those banks aren't reporting right now, uh, but just getting that money to work. Then we've also got the long-term investors section very quickly, standard weekly check-in, make sure you check that out on the website. If you are a long-term investor interested in that section, there'll be plenty of action through the results season there, but I'll let you go check that out, the portfolio x-ray calendar and the last week's performance. And Marcus, your strategy today. Uh, strategy today is reacting to a small extent to what's happened overnight, which is a risk-on view from this less worry about interest rate rises and the technology sector taking off in the US. The NASDAQ has actually bounced, I think, six weeks ago now. It bottomed uh, and a 4% move is the opposite of the Collins class rule. Not that that matters. Uh, but I think at some point you have to react, otherwise it'll be too late to do anything about it. Uh, the interest rate fears do seem to be coming off. And particularly if you look at the 10-year bond yields here and in the US, uh, there is a material topping out now. 
So going a bit risk on, but only in technology, I compare the Dow Jones to the NASDAQ, have a look at the top of the strategy piece, and you'll realize that the industrials didn't really do much last night. It's all to do with technology, a sentiment improvement, and a, an improvement in interest rate sensitive stocks. So going to have a bit of a crack. At this point, I wouldn't be calling the big bottom on the market, but the strategy portfolio, which is based on ETFs, uh, is happy to buy some ATEC, which gives you an exposure to the all technology sector in Australia, and also HNDQ, same as NDQ, which is the, it gives you a passive exposure to the NASDAQ 100 in the US, but the HNDQ is hedged to the Aussie dollar. So if the Aussie dollar starts to go up, which it should if the market's going a bit risk off, if the Aussie dollar goes up, you get better bang for your buck than you do in NDQ. So HNDQ. So having a bit of a crack, it's more of a trade than a market call at this stage, but I think at some point, uh, you have to have a go. We can, if we get it wrong, we can always sell it again. Uh, so I think that's how you sort of re-enter the market with a bit of risk, uh, with the view that it's you're not all in, and uh, maybe, maybe it will continue. Very nice, thank you, Marcus. Staying on that train, our question today is: Is that the big bottom, or might it be, Leighton? I think it's definitely looking more so to be that way, with a bit of a sentiment shift coming from the Fed. And hopefully over here as well, we'll see. Thank you, Leighton. Tom? Yeah, I agree with Leighton. I think that uh, less hawkish tone uh, is a big change from the Fed. And whilst I don't think we're going to see the market hitting all-time highs this year, it's uh, good for stocks. Tom, Henry? Uh, you know my view, I'm quite bullish. I think uh, the market is uh, game on from here, to be honest. We'll get through the RBA next week and we will kick into reporting season our uh, confession season. Don't forget, the, the, we do focus on August as the reporting season, but the reality is a, a whole bunch of our stocks actually report in July because they have quarterly updates, business updates, and all sorts of things. And generally, they've been pretty darn good. So have the US have been better than expected. And I think that's going to underpin our market. You may have the odd landmine in August, but even those companies that come out and say, this is when our results are due, go up. And you know the reason why that happens is because they've obviously made an announcement and had the chance to downgrade and haven't. So the market takes that as a positive. I think the market is set. I think we'll hit 7,100 by the end of August uh, and then head into September, hopefully on a better footing. Uh, I, we won't see the uh, an all-time high this year. We won't see it uh, really kick on much from there, but we certainly have seen at the bottom well and truly. I think a 6.4, whatever it was, was the bottom in June the 15th, and we won't see that again this year. I like it a lot. Thank you, Henry. Chris? Uh, I never go that far out in time. You guys know me. I'm a medium-term guy. I certainly think there's some money to be made over that medium term and won't make any further predictions about what will happen after that. Fair enough. Marcus? Uh, I hope Henry's right, and... I would say that the market does look six months ahead. Is it looking at the peak in interest rates? There's a good chance it is. We've already discounted a fairly large chance of a recession already, uh, and it may or may not happen. And tell you the truth, when it gets announced US economy in recession, it's already three months old. Uh, so it really won't matter too much. The market's going to look six months ahead. I do feel that there is a much reduced chance of a precipitous drop in the market at this stage, in which case probably appropriate to start inching in. I still don't see until 
the Chinese sort themselves out and cases have shot up again in Wuhan of all places. Uh, and also we have the Russian war uh, still disturbing things in the background. I, I haven't seen or can't see a reason to get stuck into resources yet. Uh, and that would be a big call. Um, we are a, a market of three sectors, really. Banks seem to be okay running into results. So uh, it's different sectors, really. Banks okay, resources waiting for the bottom. Technology, let's let's make the call today and sell it if we're wrong. Very nice. And I agree with the general sentiments, mostly with Henry. When we asked a little while ago what would be signs of the bottom, my one was uh, some iteration of it's working from the Fed. I think last night we essentially got that. So I'm uh, I'm happy to get back involved. Good summary. That that was pretty much what they said. Yeah. The, the other thing it. that's worth bearing, uh, worth mentioning, uh, which is a sign that maybe we're going to see a bit more interest in resources, is the US dollar coming off. If we have seen uh, the Fed getting a little more dovish, the US dollar will come off. That will help commodity prices. Also, interestingly, China yesterday moved to open up Beijing Airport to international travel. That is saying something, a bit like when the Tokyo Olympics were postponed. But international travel, although it's going to be limited and big quarantine still, it is at least a sign of intent from China that they are going to try and get things back to normality. And that will certainly help resources. Yes, very good. few good signs to be optimistic about, I think. Thanks, guys. We'll see you all tomorrow.